When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Eskimos head coach Scott Milanovic scheduled to join us on Inside Sports tomorrow. It'll be good to chat with Scott. Of course, the news earlier this week that the Canadian Football League will delay the start of training camps. They're calling it a postponement. May 17th was when teams were supposed to convene to get ready for the season. I would think uh, if there is going to be a CFL season this year, it will not be the full 18 games. We had Randy Ambrosian last week, the commissioner of the league, who said, uh, you know, he seems open to a shorter season. They just want to have a credible season. And then the Grey Cup in Regina in late November. No Wimbledon this year. Cancelled for the first time since 1945. Uh, NHL teams on pause. They, uh, the players were told yesterday that they should extend their isolation period to April 15th. That had previously been April 4th. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your Furnace Replacement specialists with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Always a pleasure to catch up with our next guest, a young man who was drafted 121st overall in 1997 and went on to play close to 1,200 games in the NHL regular season and playoffs combined. It is Jason Chimera. Jason, good to speak to you, buddy. How are you doing? Reed, always good to talk to you. Thanks for calling me young man. You made me feel good. Well, <laughs> well hey, you're younger than me, so I can I can go with that for the first. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, the, 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 the number 97 in, in this uh, in this part of the world has taken on added significance the last few years, so I can't help but notice the connection. You were drafted in 97, uh, the year McDavid was born, and, born and, and you would have overlapped with him for a couple of years and played a few games again against them yeah yeah at, uh you, you know coming back here he's, he's sure fun to watch i mean it's like you you take your kids to the game a couple of times and watch him up live and you play against him you don't really realize how good he is but just uh he's he's worth the price of admission that's for sure yeah well you were a pretty good skater but the the quality and speed of the of the athletes coming into the game i'd say to me as an observer maybe last five or six years seems to have really ramped up Oh, it's 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 a. It, you think when we first started, when I first started, like the fourth line, you a bunch of like, grinders and guys who who maybe weren't the best skaters, but could just you know control the puck down low and not uh, not give it away. Now it seems like every everybody can skate, everybody can move, and and if you if you're not, you're kind of a liability out there for sure. The game's got so fast that uh, it's it's a lot of training. You know, all these guys put a lot of they really treat it serious, and, and you know the skills coming up are. Or just the guys work on skating, stick handling, all stuff. You really can see it now when when they're coming up. It's pretty cool to watch. Were, were you always a fast skater, even as a, a little guy, or was it something you had to work on? Yeah, I was always fast, but then I worked. Uh, um, I worked with Stephanie Handling growing up here, which she's worth uh, now quantum speed. But I worked with her all growing up, so she helped. And um, but I was always a faster kid, but she kind of helped me fine tune a couple things. And then without her help, and you know that uh, it, it was it was pretty cool to work with her for a number of years and she helped me kind of 
right on track to where I need to be. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we had a great chat with uh, with Kelly Rudy yesterday about he grew up in Elmwood in, in West Edmonton. You're an yeah. Edmonton guy. What was, uh, what was your home neighborhood as, as, a, as a little kid? Yeah, I grew up in Millwoods in Edmonton, so uh, really, really good times there. And, uh, and did you start playing hockey? Like, how old were you? Uh, well, I, you know, I tried to play, you know, I think it's 10 minutes now. I used to start playing there, but, uh, you know, ever since I was young, I had a stick in my hand. And, you know, growing up in Millwoods, we had a, I, I had an older brother who played, and so we kind of just, uh, he put me and dad at first, and we always just played together in the in the driveway. We had a, our whole neighborhood seemed to have street hockey games every night. It was just a, it was just a cool thing to grow up in. Millwoods was a great you know, had they had a great program when I was younger, and it was and uh, it was fun to grow up there and play there. You know, I've heard that story before, Jason. That you know, whether it's a group of brothers or siblings or whatever, one of the younger ones often gets put in net. Sometimes they never talk their way out of it, being a goaltender. But you were able to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think I maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe I, I fought him for it. I don't know how I got out of net, but I, I I got out of there somehow. I think so. Some of our other, other, maybe our other neighbors got put in. So I don't, we got out of that. My, uh, yeah, I don't know if uh, you know the goalie was a different element for sure. I love playing street hockey goalie, but never, never, never in that. That's for sure on the ice. You never had to play it in an actual ice hockey game, okay? Well, you know, we talked times when I used to play. I used to, used to rotate goalies. I used to dread the move when I was going that. Everyone used to love it. And I used, I used to hate it so much. But uh, everyone took their turn back then, and. Uh, I remember those days when it was, when it was your turn. You're just like you're just kind of nervous all day. So I think, um, <laughs> thank God, thank God you don't do that in the NHL. You have to play one. That'd be interesting, though. Yeah, if, they, if every twentieth game you had to have a different yeah. goalie. Yeah, that, that would be fun. I would actually uh, play a good stand. That'd be great. Well, Connor's a net. Connor's a net today. So we'll be. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a way to spice it up for sure. Jason yeah. Spare joining us at SI Sports. So you're growing up in Mill Woods, and. I mean, when you're when you're like six, seven, eight, and, and I, you know, I know you're a humble guy, but I got to ask it this way: Were you already a pretty good player, like rep t- league material right away, or did you kind of grow into that? Yeah, I, I, I was always uh, a pretty good player from right from the onset. Like I was one of those kids, and, and the goalie used to just lay down in Tom Tom. I was always one of the only kids who raised it, so I got scored all the goals that way because I was. You know, and we didn't have the blue pucks back then, so you had to raise the black pucks, and so. Uh, but uh, it was, uh, yeah, I was always a, uh, a good player and just kind of a, had a natural instinct for it. And, and uh, you know, I worked at it lots, but it was kind of had a natural. Well, right pretty good, I was always pretty good. So, yeah, and it's okay. So, did you have, um, you know, and, and as a kid, of course, everybody wants to be in the NHL, but maybe there's a point where you realize, like, okay, it's actually hard. You need to get drafted. You don't just say you want to do it, you got to commit to it. Did you have sort of that light bulb moment or season that, okay, I can do this, but I, I really got to shape my life towards doing it. You know what? I I was just playing junior, and I, I got drafted by Edmonton, and I was a fifth-round pick, so I wasn't a high. Like, and I think when I made the World Junior Team, I think I really started to think, holy smokes, maybe I could uh, um, take this somewhere, because I never really thought of myself. Like, I always thought of myself as a good player, but never thought of myself as a... Um, an elite player and then I made the world junior team that one year I'm like holy smokes that's pretty cool and you get drafted and then you know it, 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 the, all these things started lining up for you because I, I was always uh, I was always pretty light and never never was a huge guy I was 150 pounds when I got drafted I think it was just like you know I kind of bulked up after but 
I was always small growing up. I never thought, but you always have that dream in your back of mind, but I always worked for it. I never, I never really took no for an answer. And I think it was just one of those kids who was very, very focused on what I did. And, and then when you start, you start working out and seeing, seeing the stuff pay off. And um, like I said, the World Juniors really, really put a feather in my cap and kind of gave me a lot of confidence going forward. Jason, that's an amazing story. And, and I love how you say you were always focused and determined, but you know, I, 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 you know, I often ask those types of questions about the, you know, the process. How, how when people realized I might be an elite athlete, and I've, I've talked to NHLers, CFLers, whoever, who have said, yeah, you know, when I was 12 or 13, or when I was 15, my coach took me aside. Like that is amazing. You, you're playing in the Western Hockey League, and it took being named to the World Junior Team. You're either like the, you must be the most humble person in the world. <laughs> well, no, I, you know, I, I I was always a good hockey player, but I never really thought I could. I don't know. I, I you know, you always dream of playing NHL for sure. That's that's number one, isn't it? And and like then I realized it was a whole bunch of work and and to put into it. But you never really think of yourself as that athlete till like something that happens to you and, you, and the whole things that you get drafted and you make and the you know the World Junior Team and stuff. That was like just like holy smokes, this is pretty cool. And and then. Coming from junior, you play you play in front of three thousand, four thousand, and he went to Winnipeg, and the old Winnipeg Stadium was full of people, fifteen thousand people, and I was like, holy smoke, this is like, this is beyond my expectations, beyond what's cool, and 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 you could just imagine yourself being doing that every night. It was was I think it was just like you're like, holy, this could be, this could be something worth worth doing. So, um, but yeah, that was the that was kind of like the kind of moment you're like, okay, this is this could be something. Is, is there a coach you remember? You know, either from junior or earlier, you remember really had a big impact on you. Well, I know you, when you when you're younger, you always uh, like you always uh, your your dad's always coaching you when you until you until you're old enough. There's no parent coaches anymore. Then um, when I got to like there's a whole bunch of guys like you know Kurt Lacton from, from Massanad, Rick Carrier was there, and, um, uh, Larry Draper, Ben Dorvell, some some of these young guys, some coaches when you're when you're younger is this such an influence on you that uh, when you see him years down the road, you're like, geez. And, and I talked to uh, Larry, when I talked a lot about coaching, he's coaching Vernon Vipers now, and I talked a lot about like just like coaching kids and, and how different it is nowadays when when, I, when he coached me and how they could yell at him, yell at, uh, yell at everybody. And like, uh, even I learned a lot this year, you can't, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's, you got you to dial it down a lot. And, um, it's, uh, but the, you know, those coaches are such, they have such a good influence when you of your whole life. It's pretty cool to see them later and just thank them. And um, you know those those guys really those minor hockey league coaches really paved the way to paved the way for your future for sure. You know, they're really good lessons. You know I think the lessons going forward you can learn. You remember those lessons for sure for the rest of your life. Jason, I don't mean to alarm you, but we have listeners texting in with questions for you and oh, comments yeah, on your career. Pro- let's let's answer questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pro- probably, uh, probably, probably, di- buddy, probably, but probably a buddy who's speaking to you for sure or something. <laughs> well, I was going to say, probably a different tone than you would have got, you know, on a post-game show if you'd gone minus two or minus three. But uh, <laughs> I, know that, I know that didn't happen very often in, in your career. No, no, I was always plus. <laughs> yeah, every single game. Uh, Just don't look okay. at my stats. Don't look at my stats. <laughs> uh, Jason, uh, or sorry, Benjamin says, Jason, congratulations on a great career. By the way, your mom was my librarian at Idlewild Elementary School. I still remember how excited she was when you were drafted by the Oilers. Uh, and then Benjamin says, please say hello to Jason. Does that, uh, so there's a bit of a memory. 
That's so cool. Yeah, my mom, my as as you know, your mom's your mom and your dad are such big supporters. You've grown and you're. And you realize that when you start playing minor, when you start taking your kids to minor hockey, how much work it is, taking them every night, and driving them to to and fro, and and they were always willing to do it, and they always, and you know, my mom was huge fan. She still has more stuff of mine than I, I ever could dream of. So I'm like, holy smoke, well, he kept all the stuff. You know, yeah, the news, newspaper clippings, everything. And so, yeah, I remember Riley Wells School for sure. She was, uh, yeah, she had, uh, um, she worked there for a while, and I, I visited that school many times. All right, uh, this texture says, Jason grew up in my hood. Uh, I can't remember if he went to J. Percy Page. Yeah, J. Percy Page is my high school, yeah. Uh, I was I was gonna, a, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was a medicine hat for most of the time for it, but I, uh, that's where I went to high school for sure, yeah. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about that, and I mentioned, you know, Kelly and I were talking about this last night. He was also a medicine hat tiger, kind of a generation yeah. before uh, you were there. Like, was that, and I mean, that must have been, how did how did you find that? Okay, you you know you got to go and get into a high school. You got to play hockey and go around on the bus, and they expect you to, you know, do your schoolwork. You can't go to you can't miss classes and get ten percent. Like, how did you balance that? It was hard at first because you know I was always the uh, um, school never came easy for me, so I was always I didn't really have to work at it. So and um, teachers are. And that's what had teachers are so good with you. They helped you out a lot, and um, just when you missed stuff, they would, you know, whatever you needed, they were there for you. And I remember, like, I can't remember their names, but like math teachers, science teachers, they'd always be willing to help you, give you what you need, and they'd they help you out after class if you needed. And they were always so good. Cause they knew you missed a lot, and um, they were more than willing to help you. And um, and there's a some people that helped us out in that in that school too, which is awesome. So I mean. People are so so willing to bend over backwards to help you out, which which was really cool. You know what's cool too about the Medicine Hat Tigers? The most famous member of the organization might be the bus driver slash play by play guy. Bob oh, that was <laughs> it was it was unbelievable. We would we, he would call the game and he'd drive the bus and like I remember we used to sit up there like a lot of us would sit up and with him after the game, just kind of you know shoot uh, shoot the crap with him up in front of the bus and sit with him up there and you know he'd drink coffee and kind of hang out with him, drinking you're drinking with some water, hanging out. Some of the stories he had with some of the people it was just like he had so many stories. He's such a good guy. I don't, you know, you play a game and half the guy, most of the bus is sleeping. He's calling a game, he, the pregame show, the postgame show, and and then he gets on the bus and drives home. It was it was, it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, and he's I don't think he drives the bus anymore, but he's still and calling safely, games. Too, uh, Rito, safely, he's he always like the safest guy. Like we always get home safely, and and. Um, and you drive those roads, and just like some of the blizzard you drive through, you're like, holy smoke. And Reds would always, we'd always get home safely, which was awesome. Jason Chimera joining us on Inside Sports. You played from the Oilers from 2000 to 2004. Okay, I opened Pandora's box by reading some texts because now we got Larry coming in with a high hard one. But I, I read some texts, so I got to read Larry's for you, Jason. Hi, Reed. Can you please ask Jason? You're going to laugh. What happened between him and Craig McTavish that made him leave? Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I don't know if anything happened. I think we just uh, I, I don't I, I, I didn't leave. I just got I got traded. So um, um, yeah, that was good answer. Was not, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't remember. Like I wasn't covering the team at that point, but I yeah. didn't remember anything like that. <laughs> you guys were button heads or anything. We had a huge fight the one game, and <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, I can't remember anything. I, uh, it was too, too. Uh, um, yeah, 
Uh, Jared says, uh, do you remember any uh, really good minor hockey players that, that you played against growing up in Millwoods and in Edmonton? Holy smoke, yeah. There, well, there was a, there was a ton of, like, good, like, I mean, everyone knows was, was, was really good hockey, and I used to, you know, I used to play against the Carmer guys, and when I was, you know, CSC had, like, more, the White Midwest teams had Joey Bashing and all those guys, and uh, Greg uh, McCooey, you know, all these guys were, were, were really good to play against, and I think, uh, um, I, don't, I can't remember too many, like, too many names we played against, but, like, uh, too many concussions, Reno, I can't think back that far. <laughs> you always got a sense of humor about yourself. That's why I like having you on the show as well. Uh, we're, we're we're obviously going to keep in touch and do this again. We're getting a little short on time, but I mean, I'll just, I mean, it's a it's a it's, it's a serious time, obviously, in the world, Jason. Uh, and you know, from a sports fan standpoint, we've we've lost a lot of things. Um, we we like to watch. Have you ever thought, like, man, I wonder if I were a player, how would I be feeling with all this? Well, maybe I could. I could when, when I get started up here, Rito, I could play because I might be just as good a shape as some of these guys right now. They might be. So, <laughs> <laughs> You're ready to go. No, I don't, I, you know what? It's just uh, it, it's it's such a weird time. I talk a lot of guys are playing now. It's just a, it, they don't know what to prepare for or how to prepare for it. Or it's something new that no one's ever been through, right? And just kind of everyone's trying to do their part, which is great. I think a lot of um, talk to Johnny Boy, Chuck, touch up, talk to all the guys, and like. They're, everyone's just trying to do their part, stay safe, and stay in. A lot of these guys are just doing what they should be doing, staying at home, not not talking to anybody, or just talking to people, but not going out in public, just kind of hanging out and, you know, trying to stay healthy and, you know, and hopefully, hopefully this thing, if everyone does their part in, in Edmonton and in Alberta, we'll, we'll get through this a lot quicker and get hockey back on because you realize how much you miss it and you realize how much sports are a part of your life. And, and I enjoy watching the game, and I, I still watch it religiously every night. I think it's uh, you do miss it, and then hopefully those guys are ready to go when they get going. Did, did, I know you're coaching as well. Did your team get to finish, or are they one of the many teams that lost the last couple weekends? Well, we say we won the we say we won the provincial, so that's what the, that's what the story is. We'll stick to that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Jason, thanks a lot for checking in. I hope you and the family are doing well and staying safe. Uh, you're always welcome here on the show, and uh, uh, you answered questions for me and a few fans tonight as well, so thanks for doing that. Oh, anytime, Rio. Yeah, thanks. And stay healthy. and like uh, Everyone stay healthy for sure. Right on. That is Jason Schmerich tonight on Inside Sports. We're back after the break. request Kellen it is the fella didn't leave a handle but he wanted to hear some Iron Maiden so here is Rainmaker oh there we go from 20 uh, this, this decade sometime early this decade I can't remember the exact year but. good stuff Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Excellent to catch up with Jason Chimera. He's always fun to talk to. Grant Canton joined us earlier. And uh, Oilers forward Josh Archibald. I mentioned uh, Scott Milanovic scheduled to be on the show tomorrow, the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, we are also hoping to connect with Caleb Jones, uh, another member of the Edmonton Oilers. They've been making a lot of players uh, available to the media this week. And, of course, Dave Tippett has spoken a couple times. He was on Oilers Now with Bob 
uh, when was that on Monday did a conference call yesterday so they're keeping you updated uh, tough situation for the players like uh, a lot of you a lot of a lot of waiting not a lot of socializing and just uh, a lot of hoping things are going to get better sooner rather than later. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classics spun with a modern twist, northchickenyeg.com, and you can find out how they're keeping you full of chicken and Dorito mac and cheese during this pandemic. The Edmonton Oil Kings have announced... Some of their uh, award winners for the past season. Matthew Robertson, named team MVP and top defenseman. Rookie of the year, no surprise. Dylan Gunther, Jake Neighbors, gets most improved player and scholastic player of the year. Ethan Cap, the humanitarian of the year. 780-496-0063 if you would like to call or text. Local UFC fighter Tanner Bulldozer Bozer. When we get back, great nickname, but his career has been thrown into a bit of a loop because of the pandemic. change from the usual fare uh this is from the hermit uh days of the new the downtown all right good stuff thanks a lot for checking in tonight inside sports on 6:30, chad my name is reed wilkins and i'm pleased to be joined on the line by ufc fighter tanner bozer tanner you're on with reed how are you doing man Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. It's nice to meet you. I'm going to start this interview as I've started many. I wish it were under better circumstances. Had we not been hit with this pandemic, we may have had you on this week to talk about how your bout went this past weekend, uh, but it but it didn't go off. Can you kind of give us uh, your version of the events here? Uh, yeah, so I was scheduled to fight Jeff Hughes uh, in March 28th in columbus ohio but obviously with the coronavirus and everything all events have been uh postponed until further notice um what ufc had said they were going to do was uh put an event on in vegas at their apex center which is um a small venue where they host the tuesday night contender series that they do for a couple months out of the year and they were just going to to televise and stream the event but have no crowd but then when the uh amount of people allowed in a building went down from 50 to 10 it just wasn't feasible between corners and uh fighters referees judges doctors etc so then it uh after that was put into place the event was just postponed indefinitely until we uh till further notice okay well because i was just thinking didn't ufc do a, a relatively big event in an ep- empty arena shortly before this yes yeah okay uh they did it two weeks before my event was supposed to be and it was in brazil uh they had right. already flown the fighters and everything there right when um regulations and stuff started to uh happen around the globe but 
I guess it just wasn't as strict in Brazil yet, and they were able to do an event with an empty arena. So, and, uh, so sorry, how far in advance did you find out the event on the 28th was, was postponed? Uh, I found out about two weeks before it was supposed to happen, less than two weeks, but uh, just under two weeks. All right. So, I mean, look, can you just sort of put into words how disappointing that was? Because this was another, you know, chance for you to go in there and prove yourself, right? Yeah, I mean, of course, I'm, um, I was ready to fight, so I'm bummed that I didn't get to. You know, I went through a full training camp. I was in shape, ready to, ready to fight. I just finished my final hard strength and conditioning the next uh, the rest of the week. I found out on, a, uh, I think, a Monday or a Tuesday the rest of the week would have been uh, reasonably intense, but not as bad. I'd finished my, my last horrible training session. So to get canceled after that, when it was kind of smooth sailing right up until the fight kind of sucks. But I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's how it goes. I'm not going to complain. There's people with bigger problems than losing a fight. So uh, not losing a fight than losing a scheduled bout. So it's not, not the end of the world. It sucks. But I mean, the entire world's basically under quarantine right now. So what you gonna do now why did you describe that particular training session as horrible tanner oh no like uh i have a few a week that are just gruesome so i mean that was the last really difficult one i had that i had finished that was before the fight so it got canceled pretty much while i was done all the really hard training sessions and it was just the coast was clear well i mean look obviously you're in incredible shape if you're a ufc fighter so what makes the like what specifically are you doing that make these training sessions a little more arduous shall we say uh well we we have really hard cardio circuits that we focus on um we have an airdyne bike a a skier and a versa climber which is the one i hate the most and you can never really beat the machines you go as hard as you can on those things for a certain amounts of time depending on the day and then I'll get super tired from doing that stuff, and then I'll go have to wrestle a fresh guy who's just warmed up and ready to go, and then I have to go back and do some more cardio or something, and then i got to go, and I'm starting on my back with somebody on top of me who's fresh trying to punch me in the face, and i got to get up. You know, it's just you put yourself in these aggregate situations that are very hard. Okay. Well, all right. So who's your coach? Uh, my coaches are Jeff Montemiro at Shave Bears MMA and Kedro Noda at Franklin's Muay Thai. Right, and you live here in Edmonton? Yeah, technically I live in St. Albert, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Bonneville. All right, a, t- a town I know well. I don't know if you ever listened to the show, but I used to work in Lloydminster and go cover the Bonneville Pontiacs. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I know the RJ Lalonde Arena quite well. Did you? Did you? What sports did you do as a kid? Uh, as a kid, I did karate growing up, and I actually played soccer. Oh, but, interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah, if you if you covered the Pontiacs, actually, my cousin Brinson Pashnuk just got signed to the San Jose Sharks a couple of days ago. He oh, was on the Pontiacs. A, okay, yeah, I want to have I had him on about six weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to catch up with him again because uh, Arizona State, right? A Hobie Baker uh, candidate. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, now he's going to the Sharks. We'll, we'll we'll catch up with him for an interview. He was really uh, interesting to talk to. Okay, cool. So to tell me a little bit about. So you so you, you have a karate background. Tell me about why and when you got into UFC. Um, okay, so I did karate from when I was eleven until I when I was I think nineteen or twenty, and then shortly after that, I I well I, I kind of knew I wanted to get into MMA, but there wasn't really a scene anywhere in the Lakeland, of course. So uh, I did the best. 
I could uh, train with some of my friends and uh, well, what we thought was training anyways. And I had my first fight at Unified MMA in October of oh, 2012. And then after that, um, we had a jiu-jitsu coach uh, who started a jiu-jitsu program in Bonneville, a man named Jake Sansom, who actually sadly uh, passed away on the weekend. Uh, and he helped me and my brother and lots of other people in Bonneville get uh, good enough at jiu-jitsu to get us through a few fights, you know. So um, after my second pro fight, I moved to Edmonton because I was 2-0 and and I knew I was just pushing my luck at that point. I'd better go train with, you know, true professionals at True Professional Gym. Okay. What do you like most about uh, being an MMA um, I, I don't know. I like the lifestyle. You know, it keeps me healthy and in shape all the time, but I, I don't know what it is about it. I I enjoy the competition, I suppose. It's it's just the life I like. I'm I'm happy. I'm happiest when I have uh when I have a fight booked. I'm happiest when I have something to look forward to in that way. I don't I can't I have no idea. I I I should have put asked this earlier. What you so you're a heavyweight? Yeah, I'm a heavyweight. So yeah. what's your height and weight? Uh, I'm six foot two and I weigh about two hundred and fifty pounds. Okay, so you're uh, you got some muscle on you then. <laughs> yeah, I got a little bit of muscle on me, but um, heavyweight division goes up above two hundred and five pounds up to two hundred and sixty five pounds. So by no oh, wow. means am I one of the bigger boys in the division. Okay, uh, so I I mean look I, I don't I'm not I'm not going to pretend at all to be an expert on on UFC and and mixed martial arts. I've certainly seen it, but but I, I'm not that well schooled in it, but. I know there are, are a lot of different styles, so how would you describe your style? Uh, I'm more of a kickboxer. I tend to keep most of my fights standing up, if if possible. Okay, and so you're not doing a lot of holds then and things like that? Um, well, I mean, I, I practice all of it. I'm quite adept at all of it, but in fights, my uh, my specialty is, is striking, more or less. I... I'm good at low kicks and uh, keeping the range and usually able to outpoint my opponents with strikes. Okay. Uh, so you have a pretty good record, 17-6-1. Do I have the right record? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you one. I'm going to ask you a two-parter, Tanner. All right. Give us your uh, greatest high in a boat and your greatest disappointment in a boat. Okay. So both of those are tied to the same guy. My greatest high was beating Tim Haig, who... Um, had knocked me out and gave me my only knockout loss. I got knocked out uh, defending the unified heavyweight title uh, in Canada uh, by Tim Haig, who was a UFC vet. He had five fights in UFC. He was a big, big guy, power puncher, and he knocked me out right at the start of the fight. I ran right into a punch, like a complete idiot. And then I won a few fights and got back into uh, title contention, and then I knocked him out when I fought him again. Actually, I didn't. I didn't fight him for the belt. He had lost the belt by that to an uh, American named Tony Lopez. So I, I beat him before that, and then went on to win the belt. But losing in that fashion to a guy that we didn't get along. We had a lot of uh, we had a lot of trash talk beforehand, and most of it was genuine. And then um, beating him after were both the low and the high. Of my career oh interesting and, and unfortunately of course we uh we lost him about about three years ago but you so you had a rival yeah. with him okay I get, but tanner i gotta ask you this 
So you said, and I'm just—I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing at how you said it. I, I ran. You said something. Like I ran into his punch like an idiot, and you lost yes. at the beginning. So at the time, did you think, okay, maybe this isn't so smart, or did you need to be? Well, told no. After? At the time, I mean, clearly, clearly, I didn't have to be told anything after that because I mean, I kept asking what happened. I had was no wasn't wasn't a secret that I made a gruesome mistake, but. No, my the plan going into that fight was to pressure him and, and push him into the cage and try and tire him out and just go at him right at the start. I just did it really stupidly, and I don't fight that way anymore. I, I learned, as stupid as that is, the fight was six seconds long, and I learned a lot from that fight. I've never done anything like that since, and since then, I my fighting style changed drastically as well. Okay. Well, I, I had to ask, and Tanner, if you ever listen to my show, I always say this, that I often get better, athletes often give better stories from the disappointing moments than from from the victories. And, and you just gave me a, a very candid look into uh, something. But, but, but I mean, ultimately, that helped your career, though, right? Um, It did. It took me a while to get back on track in the eyes of UFC or the eyes of any of the bigger promotions, but... It probably helped me out in the long run, yeah, if you look at it as a marathon and not a sprint. If I would have beat Tim Hagen, I probably would have got signed to UFC back then, and I truthfully, I wasn't ready. I only thought I was, so I, I might have just washed out. It might have been near impossible to get back into UFC or something like, like that. So the way I'm, I'm happy with the way everything's turning out right now, so i just got to keep the ball rolling. All right, well, so everything's on hold right now. Tell us what you're doing to stay in shape. Um, well, I'm doing my best. I got uh, I got a skipping rope and a couple of 40-pound dumbbells and uh, <clears throat> a medicine ball. And that is obviously not ideal, but, I mean, everybody is doing their part and trying to, uh, you know, isolate as best they can. So I'm, I'm just not eating like a dumpster and whatever. My body will stay in as good a shape as I guess it possibly can with, minimal exercise and hopefully stuff goes back to normal sooner than later all right the nickname bulldozer who gave it to you uh that's that's a long story too actually it was um similar to a nickname that one of my friend and training partners mitch clark had given me back at hayabusa and it was an inappropriate name but it kind of rhymed with that so then they changed it to dill uh no to, to bulldozer and uh okay yeah, and then after one fight, another friend was like, man, a guy in my corner, uh, another training partner of mine, and said, man, you bulldoze that guy. You should call yourself the bulldozer. And then my friend, Mitch, who had made up this nickname that it kind of rhymed with, it's like, yeah, that's it, bulldozer. But I know what it means. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's uh, Well, it's, yeah, I, I, I love the nickname. Tanner Bulldozer Bozer. Has and it rhymes. Yeah, yeah, it's got an excellent it's got an excellent ring to it for sure. Well, hey Tanner, you know what? It, it, it's great to have you on the show. I'm glad we've connected. So please keep in touch, and, and hopefully we can talk again when when everything gets going again, and, and you can update us. You're you're a very good interview, and I can tell you're very passionate, and you're working very hard. So thank you for coming on Inside Sports tonight. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me. Right on. That is Tanner Bozer checking in tonight. Was supposed to have his belt. Uh, his bout on uh, March 28th, and uh, like most sporting events in the world, that has been postponed. 7.47, we'll call a quick timeout. Inside Sports on Chad.
little Queensryche for you. Jet City Woman, as requested by Esk's Fan Glenny. Esk's Fan Glenny, who I uh, briefly got to meet when I was doing a remote at a uh, golf equipment sale, I want to say back in June, maybe? Cool. No, it wasn't. No, it was in November. No, no, it was at the end of the golf season. Yeah, it was in November because then there was an Oilers game that night. Uh, and he's the big, uh, he's the Misty Mountain Hop guy as well, is he not? Likes the Zeppelin song? Uh, maybe. I think that's him. I think so, yeah. All right, 780-496-0063 is how you can reach us. Calling or texting inside sports at 630ched.com is the email. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R E I D W I L K I N S. Kellen, what's your Twitter uh, handle again? It's like Kellen. Uh, at Kellen Nitro. So K E L L E N N I T R O. And little known fact, Nitro is your middle name. Yes. Kellen Nitro Kennedy. Yes. Your parents were thinking outside the box. A little bit. <laughs> Did you, do you have a middle name, by the way? I do, yes. Can I ask what it is? You may. I, I understand if you don't want to reveal it. Uh, I don't want to reveal it, but it it definitely does not start with a K, so we don't have to worry don't about have to that. Don't worry about that. Okay. Are you, are you, it starts with a T. So are you ashamed of your middle name? Kellen T. Kennedy. There we go. Are no, you, are you, not at all. You just don't want to reveal it. That's fine. No, I, I, I won't reveal it, but no. I don't know if you knew this. I my, Reed is my middle name. I go by my middle name. Cool. Do you know that? I think so. We'll probably knew that at some. Point. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we talked about it like years ago. Yeah. First name's James. Cool. Yeah. I like Reed. Nice. By the way, happy birthday. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Another year older. There you go. Yeah, it's good. Feels exactly the same as yesterday. <laughs> It'll feel exactly <laughs> the same way tomorrow. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Alex Chason did a conference call earlier today. He was asked if he sees uh, championship qualities in the Oilers. You know, a lot of a lot of the championship teams, in my opinion, are not just built uh, overnight. It takes time, and um, it also takes um, experience. And you know, sometimes you got to face the lows and um, or, or the highs, and um, you got to grow as a team. And uh, I think our, our young core, our, our young core players, have, have really taken that to the next level. Uh, they've taken a good charge of our our, our team. Uh, we've added a few guys that are uh, really good on the ice, and also they, they provide a different type of personality in the locker room. So I think all that going, you know, there's a lot of that stuff that you know it seems really unnoticed on the ice, but really what goes on off the ice is, is, is a big factor and. Uh, championship team so um, that was one of the reasons for me I, I wanted to come back here uh, last year is because uh, there's a lot of things I saw in this group that uh, I saw when I played in, in Washington so uh, again I, I think it, we've earned that as a team we, we've showed that and uh, we're hopeful that you know hopefully the season comes back and we can go and play and have fun Jason also commenting on Leon Dreisaitl's big season. Well, he's, he's really self-driven. Um, I think that's one of the things I've noticed. He, he he's a guy that's a, he's hard on himself. Uh, he pushes players to be better. Um, he's, he's a guy at such a young age that sees the game differently. Uh, there's so many guys in the league that it takes times to to see that aspect of the game he, he's figured it out uh, real quick uh just he's kind of taken his, his his own steps you know he's 
he's decided to play the way that he's capable of playing and uh, hats off to him uh, this is all on him he's he's, uh, he's he's a great athlete in great shape um, you know, he's a guy that takes good care of himself and uh, that translates on the ice all right, that is Alex Chason from your uh, Edmonton Oilers. Who's having a decent season, up to 11 goals on the year in 65 games, 24 points in total. Could kind of fit into a lot of different spots in the lineup as we were working our way through the campaign until it was placed on pause on March 12th. Again, Caleb Jones scheduled to join us on Inside Sports tomorrow, and the Oilers are also scheduled to have a conference call with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So if everything goes according to plan, we'll have some clips from him as well. Uh, Nugent Hopkins, I, I don't have to tell you, one of the most popular members of the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club. Well, Kellen, we're winding her down for another day. Uh, again, mm-hmm. uh, really appreciate everybody tuning into the show. Hope we're giving you what uh, what you need and feel like as we uh, as we take you through these very difficult times. Uh, I was on with uh, with Chelsea and Shea this morning, who are doing a great job on six thirty Ched mornings, and and they said, "Hey, like, how how are you doing a sports show?" Well, th- this is the thing. They're there, there's actually a ton of sports news. There just aren't games. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and sometimes we just have a guest on who might tell some stories or lighten the mood a little bit. Right. But we do that quite often anyway. But there actually has been a lot of sports news. You know, the, the Wimbledon today, the CFL earlier this week, um, you know, the junior hockey canceling the Memorial Cup. So there, there is, there, I, I look at it as there are a lot of things going on in the world of sports just not actually games being contested. Yeah, not so, to mention NFL free agency as well going on. Well, I mean, the Tom Brady thing. That's I mean, huge. Here's the thing. The Tom Brady changing teams happens shortly after like this really started with isolation and, and, and businesses closing down and all that stuff. That's probably the biggest sports story of the year to the point. Like, I, Absolutely. I, it's like, I think Brady changing teams probably trumps the result in any game. Or a tournament that's been played to this point. By the way, I told they, they told the band they got to come in quieter in the background, Kellen. We got <laughs> we got they're a little rusty. So that's what happens <laughs> that's when you a, have the knobs switched to eleven. <laughs> we got Spinal Tap in studio. That's awesome. Thanks to the people texting "Happy Birthday" on the uh, on the text line. I have had a very good day. Uh, so thank you for that. And hosting this show is always a highlight for me. But, yeah, I mean, Tom Brady changing teams. So, again, that that's probably the biggest sports story of the year outside of everything, again, outside of everything being shut down. Absolutely. But I just think in terms of a pure... Um, you know, player personnel trade signing. I mean, I mean that's number one. So we've had plenty of stuff to talk about. We're going to keep talking with you every night. I always appreciate when you call in and text and, and interact as well. Dave Campbell is the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator. My name is Reed Adler's next. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.